0: This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world.
1: Welcome to A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. Can you believe we are over 100 episodes in? We would love to hear from you. Let us know how this podcast has been a blessing, whether you're a new listener or you've been with us since episode one. You can go and rate and review on your favorite listening app and let us know just how much you've enjoyed a word in season. You can also email somebodycares at somebodycares.org and share praise reports and testimonies of how this ministry has blessed you and encouraged your faith journey. Today's episode is packed full of wisdom that I know is going to help you to launch into this new year full of faith and hope, knowing that you have a purpose beyond the moment. So be sure to have your notebooks handy as you listen today. And at the end of the episode, if you have prayer requests or praise reports, you can email prayer at somebodycares.org or you can call our prayer line 855-459-2273. And also keep up with the net that works by signing up for email updates at somebodycares.org.
0: I'll share some testimonies towards the end, but I want to get right into the message today because I really believe we're at a critical juncture and a very important place to have the right perspective in the midst of whatever goes on around us. A couple of the scriptures that I've been sharing for the last couple of months that I felt a strong sense of urgency to really get into my spirit was out of 2 Kings chapter 7 and John chapter 4, giving us perspective in the midst of what we're going through and what God's plans are for us to finish the work of the Lord and to continue keeping our eyes fixed on the Lord. Before I get into 2 Kings chapter 7, which I believe is very prophetic, in fact, Elisha said in chapter 7 of 2 Kings, hear the word of the Lord. I really believe this is a now word for us in and through the church. But let me first lay a foundation. Each day I try to start off by reading a chapter of Proverbs for wisdom, along with other scriptures. But that gives me a good foundation to build on. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs and normally 31 days in a month. So a chapter a day is filled with wisdom that kind of directs me to other scriptures throughout my reading. So on January 1st, 2021, I began my daily Proverbs with the chapter 1 of Proverbs. And it begins by saying the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion, A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel, to understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. But he goes on to say in verse 7 of chapter 1 of Proverbs, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. We see throughout Scripture that it says that God is wisdom, He is love but also that we are to gain understanding in that relationship with God who has wisdom and love. In fact, we read that the beginning of wisdom is to have the fear of the Lord. So in other words, to have a reverential relationship, a serious relationship with God himself. In that place, we can build on a foundation that is unshakable. So on January 1st, 2021, as I was reading Proverbs chapter 1, I was feeling led of the Holy Spirit to also... To go to Matthew chapter 6 and thinking of the scripture in verse 33, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So, the correlation between the wisdom of God, the fear of God, the understanding of God, and seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things that concern us would be added to us. In fact, in in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, it begins with really don't worry. He says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, hold on to that thought again, as I share John chapter four later in Jesus' own words. But here he says here, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? I love that verse. Let's go to verse 26 of Matthew 6. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than them? Verse 27, Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to a stature, or an inch? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Verse 29, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30, now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Verse 31, therefore do not worry, again, that word do not worry, saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Verse 34, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, don't worry. Do not worry. Don't worry. I love what it says in the Passion Translation. It says it this way, Don't worry. This is why I tell you to never be worried about your life, for all that you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing? Look at all the birds. Do you think they, they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store up food, yet your Heavenly Father provides them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable to your father than they are? So which one of you, by worrying, can add anything to your life? And why would you worry about your clothing? Look at all the beautiful flowers of the field. They don't work or toil. And yet not even Solomon in all of his splendor was robed in beauty more than one of these. So if God has clothed the meadow with hay, which is here for such a short time and then dried up and burned, won't He provide for you the clothes you need? even though you live with such little faith? Therefore, forsake your worries. Why would you say, What will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For that is what the unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your Heavenly Father already know the things your bodies require? So above all, constantly chased after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from Him, then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. So as we set the tone to seek God's kingdom first, to walk in the wisdom of God, the understanding of God, the reverential fear and respect of God, as we lay these foundations first, now we have something to build on. Now let's hear what Elisha said when he said, hear the word of the Lord. Let me set the tone for 2 Kings chapter 7. Prior to that, it was so bad because Syria had besieged Samaria and there was a great famine. In fact, it was so bad that people were willing to purchase bird dung and donkey brains. It was a bad situation. There was a pandemic of the day, so to speak. It was not a good picture. And in that context, the Syrian army had besieged Samaria and they were surrounding it people were afraid, they couldn't go out of the city. And in that context, in chapter 7, Elisha says, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Now here, thus says the Lord. First he says, hear the Lord, hear the word of the Lord, and then thus says the Lord. In other words, this is God's word. And he says, tomorrow, about this time, A seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be, or could could this even happen? And he said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Now remember, there was such a famine and they were besieged. So they were in the city of Samaria. They could not get out. People were willing to purchase bird dung and donkey brains because they were hungry. They were starving to death. Good people were doing crazy things, and crazy people were willing to do atrocious things. And we see that going on in the world today. But in that context, Elisha says, something's going to shift in a suddenly moment, just like this, something's going to change. He said, in the next day, you will see her and hear the word of the Lord. He says, thus says God, tomorrow, there will be barley and there will be flour and other resources you did not have access to today. And yet they're saying, how can that be? Now let's take a look at verse three of chapter seven of second Kings. It says, there were four lepers at the entrance of the gate. And they said one to another, why are we sitting here until we die? In verse 4 they said, well, if we enter the city, the famine's in the city, and we'll die there. And if we sit here, we will die. If we go into the city, we will die. Now, therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, well, we shall only die. Now, I had to chuckle at this a little bit because I go back and look at that. They're saying, look. There's a famine, it's so bad. The circumstances are so bad. Syrian army has surrounded Samaria, and we're lepers, so we sit here, we're starving to death outside the city. We're going to die. If we just sit here, we die. If we go into the city that's in famine, we die. If we go to the Syrian army and beg mercy, maybe they'll feed us and we'll live, but if not, they kill us. We die. So we die sitting we die going and we die going to the enemy. So whatever we do, we die. So isn't it better to get up from just sitting and doing nothing, getting up and going to the Syrian army and looking for mercy. Now watch what happens here in verse five. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. "'For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, "'Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they rose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact.' their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. So verse 8 says, When these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one of the tents and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing. And then they went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried away some from there also and went and hid it. Then they said to one another, We're not doing the right thing. This day is a day of good news. Hear this. This day is a day of good news, and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they went and called to the gatekeepers of the city. That's another key here, and I shared this a few weeks ago at an all-night prayer meeting. Call the gatekeepers of the city. And they told him, saying, we went to the Syrian camp, and surprisingly, no one was there. Not a human sound, only horses and donkeys tied, and the tents intact. So the gatekeepers called out, and they told it to the king's household inside. Verse 12 says, So the king arose in the night and said to his servants, Let me now tell you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we are hungry. Therefore, they have gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, When they come out of the city, we shall catch them, and then go into the city." And verse 13 says, And one of his servants answered and said, 'Please, let several men take five of the remaining horses which are left in the city.' Look, they might either become like all the multitude of Israel that are left in it, or indeed I say, they may become like all the multitude of Israel left from those who are consumed. So let us send them and see. Therefore, they took two chariots with horses, and the king sent them to the direction of the Syrian army, saying, 'Go and see.' And they went after them to the Jordan, and indeed all the road was full of garments and weapons which the Syrians had thrown away in their haste. So the messengers returned and told the king. Then the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians. So a seah of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two seahs of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. Now remember what Elisha said in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. He said, hear the word of the Lord. And then he said, thus says the Lord. I believe this is one of those moments where we as the church, as the body of believers, we need to hear the voice of God. We need to hear the word of the Lord and hear God saying to us, this is what I want for you. Thus saith the Lord. And like those four lepers outside the city of Samaria in the midst of a famine, They're saying, if we sit here, we die. If we go into the city that's in famine, we die. If we go to the Syrians who are besieging Samaria, maybe they'll have mercy. And if not, we die. So we die here, we die there, or we die there. The point is, we can sit back and do nothing. Or we can get up and go and begin to see God do things that only God can do. See, God had made such a great noise To the Syrians, they thought there was a large, great army coming against them, that they literally fled. They departed. They left all their wares, all their weapons, all their food, all their treasures. They left them fleeing because God made a great noise of the sound of the great army of God. What we need today is to fix our eyes on Jesus, seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things shall be added to us. Only God can do what he can do. In the midst of all that we're going through, in the midst of all that's going on in our personal lives, in our nation and around the world, in a moment, God can turn things around. The armies of the living God are still greater than the difficulties and the situations around us. Could it be in the midst of all that we've been through, in the midst of what seems humanly impossible, that God can do something so significant that only He can do, moving us from famine to plenty? From tragedy to triumph, the Lord Himself is already going before us. He's our rear guard. We seek first the kingdom of God. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Our posture of humility, our eyes fixed on Jesus, vertical worship and humble posture before God, saying, God, we need you. But we can't sit back and do nothing. We need to get up and look up and begin to do what God's called us to do, to finish the work the Lord has called us to do. Which reminds me of John chapter 4, because I believe there's a direct correlation in this kind of hear the word of the Lord moment for us. You may recall the story in John chapter 4 of the Samaritan who came to the well and met the Messiah. And they began to have a dialogue. And there's a whole lot of things we can unpack here, but I won't for the sake of this message. But she said in verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. And Jesus said to her in verse 21, Believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. After a very interesting dialogue and conversation between the Samaritan woman at the well and Jesus, she leaves her water pot and went on her way back to the city and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they came from the city and came out to hear him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But Jesus said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. And therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. There's a lot to unpack in John chapter 4 and the significance of the Samaritan woman and the context there her going to her city, saying, come see a man, and them coming out to hear him. And now his own disciples saying to him, you need to eat something, Rabbi. And Jesus says in verse 32, but he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. And that's when they begin to discuss, well, where did he get this food? And Jesus says in verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. There's something so important here. Just like the four lepers in 2 Kings 7, they could sit and die, go in the city in famine and die, or get up and go and look for mercy and receive blessing, and where God did a supernatural thing, He went before them, had already scattered the enemy, had already taken care of what God can do, and yet people did not know, and they would not have known if somebody didn't get up and go. Hence, here's the significance of what Jesus is saying to His disciples. I have food to eat of which you do not know. And then he says, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. Do you not say there are four months and there comes the harvest? Therefore, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Over the many years I've shared out of John chapter 4 that very message, and here's how I give that analogy. That he says, my food or my fulfillment, my complete satisfaction is not in the things of this flesh or the things of this world, but is to finish the work of He who sent me. And for me, I take that personally. God is saying, look, your complete fulfillment, satisfaction of the longing of your heart will not be complete, not be satisfied in the things of this world, but in doing the will of the Father. And then He goes on to say, behold, I say to you, look up or lift up your eyes And look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Sometimes we have to Get our eyes off our own circumstances. Lift up our eyes from our own two feet. Get our eyes off of the things around us and look up and see from the perspective of God and see that the fields are ripe and white unto harvest. Even looking back at the last year with the pandemic and civil unrest and anarchy and lawlessness and difficulties and financial challenges and, and just so much going on around the world, it's easy to lose our perspective. It's easy to become discouraged and disheartened distracted. And yet in the midst of it all, God is already at work. He's doing things that only He can do. He's gone before us. He's our rear guard. Just like with the four lepers in 2 Kings 7, we can't just sit, but let's get up. And then just like in John chapter 4, Jesus says, get your eyes off your own two feet, in other words, and look up and see. There's so much yet to do. We, too, need to go and finish the work of the Lord. It's our time. With all this going on and all the challenges and all the difficulties, it's been a great opportunity of refocus and reset. It's definitely been a time of pruning for a lot of us. It's definitely been a time of recalibrating and rethinking things and trying to get the mind of God. I learned from the late Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole that the wisdom is in the strategy. We've had to rethink a lot of things And yet we cannot just be stuck in our holy huddles. We can't just hide away. But this is our moment of opportunity when there are desperate people all around us who are desperately looking for answers and hope. And oftentimes people don't realize they need what you and I have. But how will they know if we just sit and we keep looking at our own two feet, our own circumstances? I really believe it's our opportunity to get our eyes, look up, And see, the fields are ripe and white unto harvest. It's time to finish the work of the Lord. This is an opportunity for us to let His light shine in us in such a way that others see Christ in us. I've often said that perception is not necessarily the truth, but it is the truth to the ones who perceive it. If we're not careful and discerning, we can filter our worldview through our personal preferences or experiences, rather than through the Word of God, character, nature, and spirit of God. "...whereby we create our own world and personal kingdoms based on our own personal perceptions. May our eyes be opened with discernment and our hearts return to the Lord." Getting back to our first love, seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, so all these other things that concern us He can take care of. We need to get back to honoring God, trusting God, and letting God do a work in us to get our eyes off of ourselves and look up and see that it's time to finish the work of the Lord." Yes, we can sit and die like the lepers. We can go into the city and die, or we can go and do what God says to do. Either way, if we do nothing, we die. We need to get up and do what God's called us to do. This is our moment. This is our time. I believe God has already gone before us. He's doing things and shaking things up in ways we can't even see in our own human comprehension. But God is already moving. Just like Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. And then he says, thus saith the Lord. And like Jesus said, get your eyes off your circumstance. Look up and see this is your moment. This is your opportunity. The fields are ripe and white unto harvest. In conclusion, let me pray for you as well and with you, because all of us have suffered different challenges. We've gone through different circumstances. We have loved ones that maybe we've lost this past year. Maybe there are situations that your loved ones are going through now. But I can say this, God sees God knows. God has not forsaken us. I believe that the Lord is already working on our behalf in ways we can't even comprehend. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you right now in the power of agreement because agreement is a place of power. I agree with you, Lord, your word, character, nature, and spirit. God, I know so many have suffered difficulties and challenges this past season. Maybe some are going through something right now. And many, Father, are anxious and full of stress because of the unknown and where we are in our nation and around the world. But Lord, I know that our hope remains still in you. You see, you know. You see everything that we've been through, going through. And yet, Lord, you're calling deep unto deep. You're drawing us close to yourself. And I pray as we have a vertical worship, humble posture before you, that, Lord, as we seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, all these things concern us will be taken care of. God, I know that you've not forsaken us. I know that you've not left us, but you're still moving on our behalf in ways we cannot comprehend. Lord, I pray for your comfort, your provisions, your breakthroughs. I pray for your health and healing because you're our Savior and our healer spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, relationally, in every way. God, I pray that even now to every hearer of this podcast, you would bring encouragement and challenge that we can't just sit But Lord, we can look up and see that our redemption draws nigh and that we have a work to do and to finish the work of the Lord together. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.